see what he's done in my life. Sometimes it's crazy to just to see how good and how faithful my God is. But it's crazy, most of all saints, is that God is a God that's just not my God, he's yours. And so if God's been good to you, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Man, it's such an honor and a privilege, amen, to be back behind here and just to speak God's word. Amen. But if you'll turn to your Bibles, amen, to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. This is a familiar story. Amen. But it's not just a story. It's truth. And this happened. But it also in this as so-called story, as we'd call it, it shows us. And the word Lord reads. Now, as they were traveling along, he, meaning Jesus, entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Amen. If you'll join me in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for this day. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Father God, for the miraculous things you're doing in our lives, for the miraculous things you're doing in our families, in the nation, in the church, in the community, God. We're thankful, Father God, for every blessing you're outpouring, God. Even when we don't deserve it, God, you're still pouring. Father, let us come expecting a word, God, a rhema word, a right now word, hungry and yearning for you, God, to touch us, to fill us up, God, not just to the brim, but to overflow us, to keep this in our hearts so we may not sin against you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name, and all the saints said, amen. amen. It's so good to be back tonight. Amen. My topic tonight is, amen, I wanted to call it duty and devotion. And see... Is it possible to serve the Lord out of habit rather than out of love? See, an examination of Martha and Mary illustrate the cost of a loss of focus. See, what brought you here today? Was it a sense of duty or an obligation, a responsibility to the Lord for all that he's done for you? Is it possible to serve the Lord out of habit than out of love? In Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus has already been discussing with the religious rulers of that day, amen, about two different things. First of all, he gave them the two commandments, amen, love the Lord God with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one, amen, which we all commonly know is to love your neighbor as yourself. And here we see Jesus has used the story of the Good Samaritan to illustrate how we should love our neighbor. But now Jesus is illustrating with Mary and Martha about how we should serve God. See, the story that we read is a village, it's just about it in a village located in Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem. From this, we can see from the passage that in John's chapter 11 and 12, Martha lived with her sister Mary and their later to be famous brother Lazarus. It appears that Martha it was a widow. Hello. Martha was a widow, which means she was the head of the house. But see, 
the difference was is that with Mary and Martha, you can find Martha in the kitchen prepping up a good dinner, but you can find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus or surrounded with the disciples. And see, I want to read this in verse 38. We are told, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she said, and had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard this word. See, people have varying temperaments, and this is one thing I realized. You have a lot of people that are either really good workers that like to stay busy. Can I get a, can I get a show of hands? How many people like to stay busy? Don't you lie. I know how many of y'all are stay busy people. You can't fool me. I know all of you. And then you got some people, amen, that like to sit still, think things through, and wait. Can I get? Come on now. We got a lot of people like that, too. But see, Martha is a very actively ordinated person. Her sister appeared to be the more thoughtful nature. See, I believe that we many times have wrong, wrongly contrasted Mary against Martha. As though each Christian should make a choice of either being a worker like Martha or a worshiper like Mary. But in doing so, I think we miss a great and crucial point that the God was trying to show us in this passage. And what it is, is that the Lord wants each of us to imitate Mary in our worship and Martha in our work and to achieve balance in both areas. Hello. He didn't just call you to be a worshiper and that's it. He also called you to be a worker. And just for the workers, he didn't call you just to work. He also called you to be a worshiper. But you have to find balance in the middle of both. Because you can't be effective in the kingdom of God if you're busy constantly working but never worshiping God. And for the worshipers, you can never truly worship until you start to balance it out with by working for God. I'm going to step on some toes, amen, but it's okay. See, Mary is content to sit at Jesus' feet soaking up the word and not doing anything. But her big sister Martha was looking around at all the guests and sees the need to prepare a meal. Martha was obviously a great hostess, first of all. She got up and began to prepare food for Jesus and all those who were there with him. Martha looked and said to herself, what privilege to prepare a meal for the master. And sometimes, saints, we actually do that. We're like Martha. We see a need and we're like, we got to fulfill the need. So we get up and we try to go complete the need for the master. Mary, on the other hand, would have said, wait, what a privilege to sit at the feet of the master. Is one right and the other wrong? No. Duty and devotion are both necessary, but there must be a balance in the Christian life. You can't have duty without devotion. And devotion without duty, there's no, there's no relationship. See, saints, we always like to compare ourselves to Mary or Martha. Or better yet, we like to say this one did it right and this one did it wrong. But in all reality, each one was given their own anointing. Sometimes you can't force yourself into an action or even an anointing or an area where God hasn't called you to go. And you can't force others to do it the same way you can do it. See, every action, every relationship, and every institution has a basic focus, which is reason for existence. See, if it hopes to succeed, see, if it loses that focus, it will fail. And when you lose focus, which, why you do what you do, then you are in trouble. Hello. If you lose the focus of what you were doing it for, 
then you will ultimately fail at the goal. And for us saints, see, it's not this thing where it's just, amen, where we just get to serve Christ. No, 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 it's, it's greater than that. It's so much bigger than what our minds can wrap around. If you can just grasp what kind of duty and responsibility God has placed before you, you will start to see why devotion and duty are needed in your life. But see, I need you to understand this. You need to know that if you lose the focus, then you don't have a purpose. Which pretty much means this, you don't have a vision guiding your life. And the Bible says this, without vision, men perish. I want to talk to you about this evening about the story and what it teaches us about the cost of, lo of a lost focus. And you'll first, if you'll put my first point on, now I get to go a little crazier. See, the first point is this, loss of focus can ca cause Martha to resort, resort to self-pity. See, all of you ladies, don't kill me now, can know what entertaining unplanned visitors is like. Come on now. Your family members decide to roll up on you and you are not prepared with the shopping list. If you, were in, if you understand the Zyphers and the Rich Revados, you can get an amen from that one. And why is Martha flustered and feeling more and more frustrated with each passing moment? Well, the first part of the verse... 40 tells us this, but Martha was distracted with much serving. The sense of the word translate distracted here is to be pulled away or dragged away. The implication is that Martha wanted to hear Jesus herself. She wanted to be seated at his feet. But she was pulled away by her sense of duties, fretting about the meal and all the other responsibilities that she was supposed to do. Hello. And see, these meals and this responsibility robbed her of the joy of her service to the Lord. We should take the course of taking our responsibilities and putting them into place into where they should be and not letting them guide who we are in Christ. Or better yet, we don't need to let our responsibilities take the forefront of what we're trying to really do. Because without Jesus, you can't commit or even yet complete the responsibilities that God gave to you. You can't be a good father if you can't first be a good son. You can't be a good wife. I feel like I'm going to get hit. My God. You can't be a good wife if you first can't be a good daughter. You can't be a good heir to the, uh, the kingdom of God if, first of all, you don't know if you don't know, know how to be a child. Hello. And a lot of times our responsibilities are better yet. Our things we have to do or so-called what we got to do sometimes pull us away from what we really need to be doing at first and then go fill it, fulfilling our, dis, our hello, our responsibilities. Sometimes we say our responsibilities are right now, and they qualify as immediate actions. But in all reality, God's not saying, I need you to fulfill them right now. He's like, I need you to sit down for a second, let me fill you up, and then go do what I called you to do. Because if you get it twisted and you allow yourself to put your responsibilities and everything first, what happens is you start to cause yourself self-pity. You start to say, oh, poor pitiful me because nobody wants to help me. Or poor pitiful me, I can't do it because they got Jesus and I didn't. Or the pastor 
told me to do this while everybody else was at the, at the Holy Ghost party, but I'm out here standing and parking cars. I'm over here watching the kids. I'm over here making sure that they, the guests have water. Or better yet, the pastor told me to just sit in the back and make sure that everybody was taken care of. But see, this is the weird thing I found out, and especially in churches, is that everybody, amen, not everybody, but a lot of people have self-pity. It may not look like it. It may not seem like it. But as soon as our will is crossed, we go into self-pity mode and start to say, oh, poor pitiful me. I wish the pastor would take some time just to personally talk to me. Or better yet, I want to talk to the pastor. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to the pastor. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But the problem is with the church is that, see, we start to throw a self-pity party because we don't get to sit when Jesus is trying to communicate. Because we feel our responsibilities are greater than sitting with the master. See, the problem not lying the work that Martha was doing, it was the attitude that she was doing it with that became the problem. See, Martha's problem was one of balance between the, the going and doing and the sitting and listening. See, my greatest fear in saying that is that in someone out there who is doing nothing will gratefully say amen to what they think I said and so, no, so excuse themselves from doing anything except sitting. Hello. My greatest fear is that somebody will be like, you know what, pastor said all I got to do is sit there. He's like, I, can just, I get to move around. I can do all this stuff. But at the same time, I get to sit and not do anything. I just get to sit there and not even do what God's called me to do. Or better yet, I'm just sitting there allowing myself to soak in the word of God, but not implement it and use it to further the kingdom. And sometimes that's my phrase, Greer, because I'll get a lot of amens from people, amen, that aren't going to apply it, but instead they're just going to use it to benefit themselves in the end. Amen. See, the truth that there are too many sinners now, the difference between Mary, Martha and Mary is not one, the one that served and the other did not, but one served out of duty and the other out of devotion. Amen. One served because, you know what? It is my duty to do it because he's my master, but one did it because he is my Lord. And that's the difference that separates a lot of church folk. That separates a lot of people in the world because when you really come down to it, it's, this whole Christianity thing's not about duty. It's about devotion. How much devotion have you got unto God? I can fulfill my duty, but I do it out of devotion. But a lot of time, people do it because of their duty and not out of devotion. They have a form of godliness, but they lack the power of it. See, in our daily lives, we can become so busy with the everyday things of life that we neglect the most important. Is it interesting to think back? There was a nice little, when I was a child, there was a cartoon series. On television, if you can remember with me, it's called The Jetsons. Yeah, I know, I'm old. I, yeah, I'm not that old. I still can remember it, though. Woo! This showed common, right? This conveyed the common misconception of the time that in the future, modern conveniences would produce more and poor leisure time in people's lives. 
And this is Stephen Covey Convey said this. He said, busyness is what we get our security from. It's validating, popular, and pleasing. It's also a good excuse for not dealing with the first things in our lives. Busyness. And that's the first thing. Self-pity, it becomes because it's not out of we love doing it. It's because now it's became our job. It became a routine. It's become something that now it's became, we become over-swamped by our ability. We became so busy with it that we rejected the first thing that God's called us to do. And was first to receive, then go teach. Or better yet, it was the first, amen, to sit there and allow God to mold us into the things he wanted us to become. Now, instead, we became so busy with the duty that we forgot who God was and we replaced him with the duty. There's no more devotion in the life because of self-pity. It will cause you to make your duty become your devotion. Your devotion never be, your duty was never to the devoted. It was now your devotion became to that duty he called you to. So you really, you lost your first love and you replaced it with the purpose that God gave you. You forgot your first love. And that's the problem in a lot of, with a lot of people is we get so busy that we forget to take time out of our daily lives just to relax, amen, and enjoy reading our Bibles. And just enjoy, even if it's five minutes. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. Honesty is the best policy unless you're under the court of law. You got the right to uh, plead the fifth. I've never been to court, as you can tell. Never been to court. I'm a good kid. Good dog. Always got to crack jokes. Amen. But look, this is the funny thing. Is the first thing I realized is that I've stopped reading my Bible for a long time because I was always saying I was busy, right? Key word, busy. But those times where I was laying down watching Facebook or Netflix, I could have really been diving into God's word and getting refreshed. I could have been sitting at the master's table eating with him, but instead what I was doing is I was feeding my flesh because it's good. I want to do the right thing, but my flesh wants to do the other. I can't do the good because why? My flesh says no, and it wants to feed itself. My flesh was like, hey, man, you've been working too hard for God. Take a break. You can afford it. Yeah, right. Because in all reality, I was losing more and more of the ground that God was causing me to gain. Because why? My spiritual man was dying, and that's why I was getting self-pity. That's why I was getting frustrated. It wasn't because all of a sudden I was like, man, I can't do it because of God. It's, man, I can't do it no more because ain't nobody helping that self-pity started to arise, and that's what happened. And that's what God is saying. Hey, look, you lost focus because now you're causing yourself to be in self-pity. And this is the second thing I learned from Martha. Is that loss of focus caused Martha to became, become angry at others. Yeah, she became angry. See, our world is full of distractions and the more pressure the most tempting it is to focus on the urgent rather than the essential. We're always, the world's so putting pressure on us is that we want to focus on the urgent. What needs to get done now? What needs, what's happening in my life right now, not on what's essential to my life? The world will always put pressure on you to focus on the things that it makes you feel as though it's right now. When in all reality, that's what the world wants you to believe in. It wants you to take away the essential thing you need and put in place an urgent false 
newsreel, if I can be honest. It needs to fill your, if you ever look in the news, it's kind of jacked up, but they always put out these stories and say breaking news. And that's what kind of the world likes to do to you. It wants to make it cause you to lose, amen, on the urgent. It wants to focus you on what's happening now in your life, your situations, rather than what's essential to you. See, I truly believe that Martha wanted to honor Jesus. I even believe that she began her work with the right attitude. It's like some of us, we, we come with the right attitude of serving God. We start out doing things right. And all of you ladies can identify with that, what I'm about to say. Yeah, y'all better love me for real. Y'all can go to your husbands and say, I told you, you didn't understand. He had to come up there behind the pulpit and tell you. You begin the task of a huge fe festive meal, like Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. mm. That turkey is going to taste great. With the greatest of enthusiasm. But as time passed, you came to realize that you are running out of time and you cannot possibly finish everything that you plan to do. What, what then happens, you get angry, angry at yourself for letting yourself get in this fix, and angry with anyone else who might have made a difference in accomplishing your goals. <laughs> he said he would go buy the cornbread mix. She said she'd come over here and help me. You're like, and all the guys were over here like, my God. <laughs> you didn't tell me to go buy the cornbread. You said you got it. <laughs> Sit there like, my gosh, what are you? And then you got the, the wife always yelling. And at least that's what happens in my house. Mom starts throwing stuff at me for no apparent reason. Yeah, yeah. This is what happened, you know, I feel, this is how I feel, this is what I look like. I'm married over there sitting, minding my own business, and here comes Martha screaming at me for no reason. <laughs> I promise you, it's on recording too. <laughs> but look, angry with anyone else who had my difference in your See, Martha was like that. The harder she worked, the more she worked up, the more worked up she became. Hello, we got people like that. Hi. I promise you I'm the first one. You work yourself up because the harder you work, the more work up, you become more worked up. And some people burn out in service, but Martha was burned up in hers. She wasn't burned out. She was burned up. She was, she was still willing to serve, but she was fed up with the other people. She was fed up because she looked around. She says, all of y'all could come in this kitchen and help me. Looking at Mary, being like, get your rear in here. I need you in here. You can make my life a lot easier if you come help me. Yeah, all the, that's what all the women said at Thanksgiving. You came in here and helped me. I'd get it done. Yeah. It is bad enough to have everything to do. It is even worse when we can think of someone who we do not feel is pulling their weight. And who has let us down? Come on now. That is harder than anything. That's worse because that is what I see happening to Martha. Is you see all of a sudden she's trying to come over here and be like, hey, I'm worked up. I got five million things. I got 12 disciples. I got Jesus. I got me and Martha and plus anybody else that decides to walk in up the house. I got church going on. That's what it felt like. It was a pretty much a church service going on in her house. And she's got all these unexpected guests. And now she's somehow trying to make it work. 
And that's the problem with, with Martha is that she became too focused, but yeah, but she got burnt up in her own service of ministry that she started to become angry at everybody else that she thought that could help. She didn't care that maybe they were in their ministry serving. She cared that what her service was was trying to get done. But her, because she was so overworked, is that she started to become too bitter and angry to even look and sit down and relax for a second. A lot of people in the church, they just start to get fed up or even burnt up from the pastor or even preaching or even some songs they don't like. And they say, you know what, instead of doing the will of God, I'm going to sit down in the pew and sit there and not move. They became so angry at everybody else that they don't realize that they were supposed to do what God's called them to do. They start missing the priority that God put them there for. And so while you're over here getting angry that nobody's helping you, maybe you should start realizing that God's not calling you to be angry. Maybe he's sitting there saying, I want you to come back, sit down for a second, get rejuvenated, and then go back to your service. I'm tired of you sitting and getting angry at others because that's not it. Because the Bible clearly states when you're angry at your brother or angry at someone, that's considered murder. Yeah, that's biblical. Look it up. That's Bible. Anytime I get an argument now, I just say it's Bible. Okay, how are you going to argue with the Bible? But it happens. I want to read this from Charles Hummel said this. Anytime you feel a wave of criticism gaining momentum in your spirit, remember that it's completely out of the line as far as God is concerned. So anytime you feel like, man, I wish they would have helped, man, I wish they would have. God's not saying, God's way out of the line of God. Maybe God said, hey, I'm trying to, first of all, build your character. And second of all, I'm trying to make sure that you can realize that, hey, you've worked too long and you haven't stopped in order to get a break. Not to sit down and kick up your feet, but a break from all the struggles and you haven't came back to the river. You're not coming back to the water that first gave you life. You're running actually away from the water, and I don't know what you're doing, but I'm trying to bring you back. That's why you're getting bitter. That's why you're getting angry. That's why you can't be fulfilled in life because you've been running away and trying to work yourself instead of trying to come back and sit down. And that happens so many times in the church. It happens so many times in ministry and even in our own lives. We try to keep ourselves busy instead of going back to God. We like to put other idols and other gods in our life like Netflix, like Facebook. For the young crowd, Instagram, Twitter, and all that. That's what we put in our leisure time instead of seeking God. The greatest thing I found out about, and this is one thing I learned from watching people. I've asked an old couple one time. I said, how did you stay married for so long? They said, we've always put God in front of it. And then I got to see how they did it. And every day, instead of, they'd always watch an hour of TV. But before they go to bed, they would both sit together, open their Bibles, and read. I don't care what that says. I don't care what TV show they're watching. What I care about is who they were reading about. What was in that book that was so special? And that was Jesus who was giving them that life. Any married couple will tell you it's extremely hard. But one thing is, is Jesus can make it always better. He doesn't make it easy, but he makes it a lot easier to go through it. 
And that's one thing I've learned is that especially when people become angry at others, it's not because they got some against you. It's because they've left the first love and now they're bitter because they don't know what their joy is. They don't have the peace that you have. And sometimes we're like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with them? It's really because they don't have what God's given you because you're still coming back to the table and eating and they're over there working themselves to death. They've been working on the same anointing oil, burning it out. Instead of renewing it, they're burning theirs out. And that's what happens. That's why they get angry at people. And my third point is this. Loss of focus caused Martha to find faults with others. Or in others. In the second part of verse 40, it says this. Martha finally exploded. And will you put verse 40 up there for me? It says, and she came up to him and said, Lord, she's gotten sassy with Jesus now. Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Ask him the questions now. Then tell her to help me. She demanded now. She's like, you tell her to get her butt in the kitchen. Yeah. Martha has some sass. That's what, she, that's what I realized from Martha. She got some sass. Don't mess with Martha's. You know somebody named Martha, she probably got that sass. Anyways, Martha finally exploded, and she came boiling out of the kitchen, red-faced and furious, and said, Lord, do you not care? She, she doesn't even call her sister by name. She doesn't even say Mary. She says, my sister. Never in my life have I met somebody that hot except Martha. But in her defense, perhaps she already had done everything she could think of to attract Mary's attention and signal her that she needed help. We all have ways that we use to get a message across. We get, we clear our throats, <coughs> telling somebody like, hey, don't say that. Hey, don't. Mm. Especially guys, when we get caught up in something like, mm, mm, mm. Homeboy, shut up, you fool. You get me in trouble, fool. Or especially when, when, when our wives ask us, hey, man, what you doing? Your homeboy looking at you like, what are we saying? Mm -mm. Oh, let's go. Roll out, fool. Roll out. Roll. What are you doing? Don't stand here. Say you got to go. We got to go check on something. We're like, your wife's looking at you like, what, you got a crick in your neck or something? Like, my gosh. I told you. I get to go. Today's a fun one. It may be heavy, but it's funny. We make attraction, we make attention getter motions. And, th and this is my, in my personal life. I don't know how many guys can relate to this one, but in my mom's and my fiance's case, they gave me the look. <laughs> they give me the look. And if you're a guy, you understand the look. Your woman gives you that look, or your mother, and you're like, I'm screwed. <laughs> you, you start praying like Jenny did in Forrest Gump Lord, make me a bird where I can fly far, far, far away. Because <laughs> you know something about to go down. <laughs> You're like, mm, Lord, if you can hear me, spare me. Take me to Israel, wherever you want to take me, Lord. Lord, let the pastor say we're going on a mission trip right now. I promise you. But you know what that look is. And see, we have a situation like that in this text. We have a situation like that. When they're giving you the look, when Martha can't get Mary's attention, we get more irritated when the other person ignores us. 
Ain't nobody in here ignore people when they give you that, start looking like that. But Mary was willing to face Martha's anger because she was sitting at the feet of Jesus meant everything to her at this point. No one can force us to be devoted. It is a voluntary decision. And see, the great thing I found out is about the look is that Martha was trying to get her attention, but Mary realized you can't force me to go and do your work because why? I'm devoted to sitting here, and that's where I'm focused at. Martha was too busy with all her so-called duties that she wasn't focused, but Mary was locked and loaded on Jesus alone. And so many people like us, we get so distracted from our busy schedules and busy things that we're not locked and loaded on God and say, you know what? I'm focused, and you can't take me off of my focus. But a lot of times we go like, oh, we're locked and loaded, and all of a sudden something comes up, and we're like, yep, got to go back to busyness. I heard God call me into this. Da, 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 I got to work, got to work, got to work. When really God's like, you have lost your focus point. And then when, you know, when you start getting mangry and you get all this other stuff, hangry sometimes, we'll call it the hangry spirit. It's a real spirit. If you don't know what it is, I get it. A lot of people get it. But you start finding faults with others. And you do, because why? You start to see, like, man, how is it that you're sitting down, but I'm working. I'm serving Jesus, and you're sitting there looking at Jesus. Let me get this straight. So you're trying to sit there and say you're serving him when I'm working my butt off for him. But in all reality, Mary was serving God more with a right heart. And that's what a lot of people miss is we think that our works, hello, are good enough for God. Our works are in line with God, but in all reality, God's like, some of your works, they're in vain because your attitude and your heart isn't for me. They've actually been against me. He's like, you've been so focused on the faults and everybody else, but in reality, it's not their fault you see, it's really yours. The reason why you see her being not helpful or serving is because you don't see the kind of serving she's doing for me. She's getting prepared to go serve. You're getting burnt out. And so you can't see her servanthood getting risen up. So like a lot of people, they try to say, oh, well, that person right there is da-da-da-da-da. Don't use this against people now. Like, sure, it's right. But a lot of people like to point out everybody's flaws, but yet they haven't been able to have other people point out theirs. Hello. They can sit there and point them out, but as soon as somebody points out theirs, they start jumping around like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see him. What you're talking about? I don't do that. Looking all sour-faced, mad at the world, like, calm down, man. It's okay. We all fall short. But what's really crazy is a lot of people like to say they're busy, and they like to see other people that aren't, and they're like, man... These people right here, man, will never, they'll never change. They'll never, they'll never work. They'll never serve. In all reality, God's like, hey, what you don't see is that they're getting enough to where I can use them more. While you're too busy finding faults, your own faults are downgrading you. They're hurting you more than the devil could. Because in all reality, the devil ain't got no time to waste on you. You beating yourself up. 
Everybody likes to blame the devil, but instead, we might as well put a mirror in front of our face and say, hey, the real person to blame isn't the devil. It ain't my flesh. It's me. Because why? I cause most of my stuff to happen. I'm the one that finds the faults. I'm the fault caller, but I can never be the server. Why do I always got to be the one that finds faults in everybody else, but I can never find them in me, but everybody else can see them? Because you're not sitting down and getting refreshed. You've lost focus. You've lost sitting down and, and understanding who God is. Because if you did, you understand your faults. And that's the problem is Martha was so busy that she lost her focus. And now she saw everybody else's, but she couldn't see her own. My fourth point is this. I know I have a lot more points than I usually do. The loss of focus causes Martha, caused Martha to question God's care. Whatever Martha had already done to get Mary's attention, she is totally exasperated now and speaks directly to Jesus. There's an accusation in her voice when she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha was angry at Mary for being so selfish, and she is angry at Jesus for her allowing this to go on. Notice that Martha addressed her irritation to Jesus. You have to admit that she is one gutsy woman. If anything at all, she's gutsy. You talking to God. Martha is accusing Jesus of not caring for her. Hello, right there, there it is. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me? But there it is. She literally accuses Jesus, you know, himself saying, you don't care. And this is what it is. Because she was sure that if Jesus really cared for her, he would tell Mary to get up and help. But today, she would say something to the effect of, Lord, you know what a dingbat my sister is, but you are a part of the problem too. You tell her to get her sweet self in here and help me. If that was in today's term. She'd be telling, you know, my sister's a dingbat. She can't read the signals. It's your, you're part of the problem because you're talking. You see me trying to get her attention, but you ain't helping. Like, what are you doing? So it's saying this. She not only rebuked her sister, but also the one for whom all of these things or these preparations are being made for. Hello. She didn't just rebuke her sister. She rebuked the one she made it all for. That's deep. She for right there. You don't care. Do you not care? What she was really saying to Jesus is. Hey. I forgot all that. This was all for you. I put me in it, and that's it. I put myself above you because it's all about what I did instead of who's coming or who's already here. At the beginning, we see her saying the, the people and the master, and she was excited to serve Jesus, but now at the end, she's starting to replace Jesus with herself. She's forgetting of who it was all for. Mm. See, I want you to understand this. Whenever our service causes us to criticize others, 
and pity ourselves because we feel overworked, we better have to take time to examine our lives. It's interesting how Martha links Jesus' care for her with his willingness to tell Mary to get busy helping her. See, Martha thought that she knew how Jesus should demonstrate his care for her. I wonder, do we do that? Do we ever accuse God of not caring for us because we already decided what his care for us looked like? Hello. Part of Martha's problem was that she was worried about what others were doing. Martha's concern over Mary reminds you of Peter in John chapter 21 where Jesus was explaining to Peter what the future had for him. He only had one question. He looked at John and asked, but what about this man? And Jesus reminded Peter that that was not really any of his concern. He just needed to follow Jesus. See, in today's text, Jesus, by his refusal to do so, as Martha has asked, demonstrates that although what she was doing was valuable work, she should worry less about Mary's choices. It all boiled down to the fact that Martha wanted to force Mary to serve Christ her way. Hello. And all of this, saints, came down to this. Mary, Martha was trying to force Mary to serve God her way. When really, God was, Mary was ministering to God in her way. You can't force somebody to serve Christ your way. I can't force you to do things my way. You got your own personality from God. Because why? You're different from me. You're special. Not Ed, but special. My mama says I'm special, but it's mama's joke. But understand this, is that don't allow, see, Martha was confused because she decided to question God's care. Can I get the worship team up here? And this is one thing I want you to understand, is that Jesus wasn't trying to say, I'm going to force Mary to do what you want. I'm not even forcing Mary to do what I want. Mary's doing it. Because she's devoted to me. Because why? Her duty is in me. Her position's in me. Her purpose is in me. Everything that Mary wants and needs is in me. And that's where a lot of people start to get confused. Is because when we start to lose focus, we start to question God's care. We think God's care is how we want to take care of ourselves. We think the best way for us to live is a certain way. But really God's like, I didn't have that in plan for you. That's your way, not my way. And that's the thing. And this is my, this is one thing about Martha. She was a gutsy woman, but at the same time, she was foolish to try to push her way on somebody. This is my last point. Loss of focus can be eliminated by this. Remembering why we are doing what we are doing. In verses 41 through 42, Jesus responds to Martha like this. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus responds with great tenderness. Notice first that Jesus did not rebuke her for making preparations for him and the other guest. He is not rejecting Martha's attempt to serve him, See, Martha's problem was not that she was preparing food for her guests to eat. This was necessary. But she gave too much importance to it. 
Today, we still have to be careful that we do not let the necessary things that must be done to get out of our balance and distort our lives. See, the core of Martha's problem is that she tried to impose her value system on Mary. Note that Jesus did not tell Martha to do what Mary was doing. It was Martha's attitude that needed correction. See, saints, the thing is, it wasn't Martha's work because it was good and it was necessary for the kingdom, for the people. The problem was, it was her attitude. And see, she lost focus because why? She forgot why she was doing it. But see, the reality is that as believers today, we need to cultivate both the Martha and the Mary in each of us. See, Martha came to Jesus because she wanted him to light and load that day. He did what she wanted, but not in the way that she had expected. He lightened her load not by having Mary help her, but by giving her a new perspective on her work. We always ask God to lighten our load, but instead, God's like, I'm not coming here to lighten your load. I'm trying to give you a new perspective on it. A lot of you want God to take things out of your life, but God's like, I don't want to take them out. I want to give you a new perspective on them. He's like, I'm tired of trying to take the load. You'll never give me the load. So instead, I'm going to change your perspective on it. The reason why you're, I'm leaving your family in the way it is is so you can have a different perspective on how to change it. The reason why I'm keeping things in your life the same is because I don't want you to just have them there and not do something about it. I want you to change it. That's what God wants. And that's what Jesus was showing Martha. It's not that, hey, I'm going to give it, I'm going to lighten the boat load. I'm going to make sure that you get a new perspective out of it. You can't come to God and expect things to change if you keep the load in the same perspective. Your family's not changing because you haven't changed your perspective. God's not going to change it because he's trying to lighten the load. He wants you to change your perspective on how you live. When we forget why we are doing what we are doing, we can get turned upside down. And we may end up feeling overworked and unappreciated. Unless we take time to spend time with Jesus personally and privately. Hello, personally, it's corporately, but privately, what are you doing in your own life? What are you doing with your marriage? Are you sitting there allowing your wife to go to bed and you're over here watching the game? When really you should be like, hey, but honey, instead of doing our normal rituals, how about we pray together? How about we fall in love with Christ together? How about we read our Bibles together? Because I know that the enemy is going to try to come for me and you to, to break us apart. So instead of trying to break us apart, how about we encourage God to come in the middle so we can be stronger? Or how about in my family's life, I don't need my kids to be a drug addict. I want them to change. So I'm going to do it all in order to see them saved. I'll change my own life. That's what God wants. He don't want you just to work it out. He wants you to change your perspective on it. Too many of us are trying to make sure our duties are done, but really God wants you to change your perspective on it. That's why you're stuck in the same mud. That's why you're stuck in the same situations. I hate church like that. I hate when I see saints like that. But it's not the saints' problem. It's a sinner inside of us. 
why we still got us inside our perspective is not changing unless we take time privately and that's where it counts you want your kids to say you want your marriage to be saved but you're not doing anything privately to change it because you want to run to the world's problems and the world's solutions when it's a God problem when it's a spiritual problem we always try to run to the doctor and say doctor I need help when really God's like I just need you to cry out to me and I promise you I can change it I can turn it around I can promise you everything in your life will change see Martha was not wrong nor was Mary it is case of whether one was good and the other better see the Christian life is learning to balance duty and devotion it's balance. Sitting without serving is powerless. You can sit in a pew all day, but without serving, you have no power of God. You can't change lives. You can't change your family. Because why? You're sitting there, and that's all you're doing. You're not even trying to make an attempt to change it. You're serving without sitting is directionless. I can do my duty as a pastor, but without sitting and communi communicating with God, I have no direction. I have no vision. I'm heading for a train wreck. It's like your own life. You have no direction, so you're running in the dark, waiting for a head wreck. Serving after sitting produces power and the balance. But the question remains, and if you'll stand, please. Serving after sitting produces the power and balance a Christian needs in their life. The question remains though, saints. What about you? Will you just take a moment to reflect? Where is your focus this evening? Have you been giving yourself to non-essential things that are here today but tossed out tomorrow? Have you focused on so many things that are just temporary instead of eternal? Or how about long-lasting instead of momentary problems? I want to let you know, Martha was in the right. Martha was exceptionally well. She did nothing wrong except her attitude. But she let her duty go over God. But I want you to understand, you have to have a duty and a devotion, but your duty can't be more important. You can't lose the focus. And that focus is sitting at the feet of God. It's every day having some type of intimacy with Him. It's just even five minutes of reading the Bible. I wish saints would open the Bible. Too many times we got Bibles that sit at our, right beside our bed and we don't even read them. You wonder why your marriage is struggling. You wondering why every problem is going wrong in your life. You wonder why your health isn't good. Because you haven't even opened up and said, hey, you know what? This is what God says. And I don't care what the world says, but I believe by faith that my God says he will go through with whatever he said. I need a healing. I promise you my God says he'll, he'll supply all my needs. My health, my physical, my financial, my spiritual. I, if I need my kids in my life to get right, I promise you they will get right if I fall in love with Jesus Christ. And that's it in the end. Is that a lot of times in church we play God. Not as we become God, but we think, you know what? You know what, God? I'm going to use you to benefit me. 
I'll sit there because a worldly person can sit at a church too. <laughs> Check this out. A worldly person can sit in the church and they'll still get blessed. A sinner can walk into church, hear a sermon, become a millionaire because of why? They did what the Bible said. But why would a Christian who believes in faith in Jesus Christ, who reads the Bible but can't believe it for themselves, why don't they take it another step and say, you know what, this isn't just some religious thing. This just isn't a Monday, Sunday, Wednesday thing. This isn't just a temporary thing. This is a thing between me and God where, look, God, I'm inviting you in. No matter what goes in my life, I'm, a, I'm requiring you to be in. I need you more than any problem, any situation. Saints, I want you to understand one thing. Your problem isn't bigger than your God the problem that you have is your faith in God because you do too many duties but you never devote the time to God we require God to do all these miracles to do all these things but we never devote an ounce of our time to see it happen we say we want change we say we want all these things I'm not talking to the home. I'm talking to the church. You want things in your life to change, but you don't even take time to pray about it. You don't take time to see what God says about it. You don't even take time to incline to hear what God says about you. Too many people in the church struggle with suicide. Too many in the people in the church struggle with depression. Why? Because they don't understand what God says about them. They don't take time to get to know their creator. They just live that bona fide lifestyle of you're somebody that says who they are. But I've never known you past what they say about you. Says, I want you to understand I'm not coming against you. I'm not even criticizing you. I want you to grow. I want you to serve, but most importantly, I want you to live the most abundant life you can. If you're not gonna fight for you, I'm sure gonna fight for you. Because why? I believe in a God that can do it. The problem isn't my faith, it's your faith. The altar's open. And the thing is, is that God's tugging on everybody's heart in this room. You can kneel at your seat. You can pray at your seat. You can do whatever you want. Come to the altar or whatever you want to do. But God is tugging at everybody's heart. And you can't tell me it's not true. Because Wyatt, this is a sermon, but this is a word from God himself. Because it's not our devotion that's wrong. Our duties have become our devotion. Our devotion should be led towards God, not the other way around and saints we may not have the greatest life but with Jesus we have a blessed life so father we thank you God we thank you for your all consuming power 
We thank you, God, for touching our hearts, for making a way. God, I know in this room tonight, you're touching every life, every heart. So release the wind. Release the rain, God. Release, God, your anointing. Saturate them, God, in your presence, in your anointing, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Come and move in this plane. Come and move in this house, God. Come and move, Jesus. Oh, yes, God.